0: To the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. Bringing you up to date coaching concepts from the world of rugby, sharing ideas to make the game better.
1: Welcome to episode 97 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Katie Hunter. Katie resides in New Brunswick, Canada, and coaches her U19 New Brunswick provincial team, as well as being the president of her home club, the St. John Irish. She is passionate about bringing free development opportunities to women in the province by way of official training, athletic sessions, nutrition, education, level one and two certification and more. She's also a teacher, a referee, and is still fitting some playing in there as well. It's a pleasure to have her on the show. So welcome, Katie.
2: Thank you very much. I mean, so, I, don't, I don't try to play. I'm just, I'm thrown on the field. That's okay. It. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I've i been there and that's, uh, yeah, that happens for sure. Um, yeah. Katie was also one of the first people to correct me on uh, the pronunciation of St. John. It's not St. John's as I was corrected when I was in New Brunswick, which is the uh, capital of Newfoundland. It's St. John.
2: I'm glad I could share that with you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> key, key point. <laughs> cool. So how did you get into rugby? How did it start and you know what got you hooked?
2: Um, so for New Brunswick, rugby is, well, it's it's far different, the landscape right now, but when I was in high school, so 15 plus years ago, it was, mm-hmm. that was new. So you would go into grade nine and that was an option for you to play, but it wouldn't have ever been a sport that would have been available to you before.
3: Right. So
2: my first introduction would have been in grade nine and I had an older brother who had played in high school as well. So that was my introduction to rugby. And, uh, I come from a super athletic family. Like if I look at my own accolades versus like everyone else, I'm like the black sheep, like they're (laughs) just like amazing athletes. And then I, you know, I'm still like trudging along. So I, I did a lot of contact. I had, I was in martial arts when I was younger. So the whole tackling, it came really, really, really quickly and I was really excited Mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. So I was one of the younger girls. So I started in grade nine and probably was only me and two other grade nine students. So our Mm -hmm. high school is grade nine to 12. And um, yeah, I kind of just dove in and it was just, I remember my first scrum at rugby fest. I was playing hook and my head was above scrum and i was just looking at everyone else around me like not not bound in at all oh my gosh what a mess but yeah so that that was kind of my start and it, it like for girls there aren't many opportunities to use your body in that way yeah use your body to like create space or to like push the gain line there's all these really interesting ways that you can be super physical and i I had that with martial arts, but not in a team
3: mm,
1: yeah. format,
2: and that like I was hooked. That yeah. was it. I love yeah. it.
1: Yeah, I think that's a key point, especially here in in Canada where rugby is played in the summer, apart from BC. Um, but they'll come over at some stage, surely. Uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. They'll. There is no opportunities for a contact sport for for girls and women. Uh, no. in a summer sport there's hockey of course in the winter um but that's to, a, to no a, contact. a level yeah exactly yeah there's no full contact team sport and I think that's rugby plays a massive part in in the landscape in in countries where it's not a a major sport uh especially for girls and women
2: mm-hmm. and some of like the most confident girls I've seen as a coach uh with that um contact piece are those who have done martial arts Mm -hmm. we have kind of a flow into our high school program from a judo club Mm -hmm. and those girls, they just, it's just so fast. It's so second nature. They know how to use Mm -hmm. their weight. They know how to put their shoulder into someone like it really is uh, like an understanding of your body that girls don't have the opportunity to do as much. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why they shy away from it in our sports growing, but, you know, not as fast as I would like to see it go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we'll definitely touch on that later uh, in the interview for sure. And what about coaching? What was, uh, was it kind of like how your, your playing career is going now? People just kind of pushing you onto the field and say, Oh, we need, we need that done over there. (laughs) Is that how you started?
2: Oh God. Uh, Coaching. So I, when I left, when I left high school and started university, I became a personal trainer. So that then I kind of was thrown back into my own high school Mm -hmm. coach and be that like assistant coach that does like fitness and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like this, you know, that's silly stuff, but I don't know. A professor professor told me once, like you spend your first two or three years teaching, figuring out like what teaching is and then the rest Mm -hmm. of your career buying back your soul because you were so terrible for those first three years like it's I feel the exact, yeah, <laughs> I feel the exact same way about coaching. Like I yeah. was like throwing like stupid like let's do ten sit ups for this, you know, just yeah. ridiculous. It has nothing to do with the sport. It's like punitive yeah. in a way. Yeah,
3: yeah. So that yeah. you
2: know that's how I started.
3: Things yeah, have exactly. luckily
2: uh, gotten better for sure. I now see it uh, a little bit differently, but um, yeah, that's how I got started. I actually went back to my own high school and then mm-hmm. went. to a totally different high school and was the head coach. And then I moved overseas uh, when I finished uh, my teaching degree Mm -hmm. and I started a club in Bangkok.
1: All right, cool.
2: So I kind of coached there too. And I coached a high school in Bangkok as well. Amazing. Well, yeah, it's kind of been a wild ride.
1: Well, there's (laughs) a good history of uh, martial arts uh, in Thailand, so um, you would have had some good contenders for, for rugby players
2: oh yeah well we were an expat team so we mostly had like foreigners to the country but we did i did have the opportunity to play the national sevens team Mm -hmm. yeah and they we were their warm-up to their practice our game oh yeah yeah. (laughs) i think the score was like a hundred and like five to maybe 10
1: Oh, good! You got got over the line a couple of times, or they got over the line a couple of times. I'm not. I'm oh, no. not you know. Oh, no. yeah, know. Yeah. Just a, you got over the line. Cool, classic. All right, cool. And what um, what about the history of Saint John Irish Women's team? That's uh, it's quite quite interesting. The way the the team has become a standalone club and very unique uh, in the rugby landscape in North America. Can you tell tell us a little bit of the history of the club and where it's at now?
2: Yeah. So I joined the club when I was uh, still in high school. So I always say that like I was driven to practice when I began because I couldn't drive myself. So it, like, it's been it's been quite quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a men's club to begin with. And then for all the reasons that uh, men want the women to be added, social mm-hmm. reasons and all that kind of stuff. So then there was like a social women's side for a really, really long time. Uh, and probably not the most competitive side, yeah probably more just there to have fun and oh. at that time in I mean what would that be that would be like two thousand four two thousand five uh, like that was kind of normal like there were there were lo- there were teams in New Brunswick, obviously, but I think the women's side was kind of an, an afterthought for sure um, but uh, I would say we've been becoming more and more competitive, obviously, as time goes on. And rugby in general is taken seriously. And it's more of a sport that draws like really great athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and before it was kind of seen as like a social experiment, like, right, yeah. Um, so actually in 2013, I think, our men's side kind of floated away and disappeared. Mm. So for a long time, we had the men's side and, you know, we got their old jerseys. You know, that's that kind be, of them. Yeah. We got all that kind of stuff. Those <laughs> really thick barbarian jerseys. Oh, yeah. We would get all like the hand-me-downs. Uh, but in 2013, we turned into our own unit. That's
3: amazing. So, uh,
2: and that's, I think, when things, when the focus started to change and it really, uh, it was keeping our head above water for a really long time and learning a lot of different things. Like as the president of the club, I, I now know how to pay employees. Mm-hmm. Like, the te- I had no idea how to do it. Right, mm-hmm. like you just had to really pick up the slack, and uh, I think we're better for it. To be totally honest,
1: yeah. And I think um, you know one of one of the reasons I got you on the show was was to talk about this. You you posted on Facebook a little while ago on your private Facebook page that you know that there are two women's teams in Saint John, which is you know not a huge city, mm-hmm. uh, and that you you feel it two full teams Mm -hmm. against each other for the first time in, in, in quite a while. Um, You know, what's that represent in terms of the amount of work behind the scenes and, and the the type of mentorship that's, that's taken place to, to build those, those two teams?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So um, in New Brunswick for the senior women's side, we don't have a huge amount of teams. We have four main teams Mm -hmm. and we have uh, one team that's like starting to to develop and come into our league. So having two teams in one city means major competition, obviously, mm-hmm. because yeah. we compete for players. We compete for coaching in, in high schools, we compete mm-hmm. for all these things. And for like, some people see it as a negative,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like, Oh, you have to split all your talent. Like you're not putting the absolute best 15 on you're putting like mm-hmm. half and half and da, da da. Yeah. I honestly, I see it as a positive. I think that our women's programs, uh, both the St. John Trojans and St. John Irish, because we're both uh, obviously in St. John, I think we're better for it. And mm-hmm. I think we are all more dead, this is terrible, but dedicated in a way because we have to like offer quite a bit, like a really appetizing women's program. We have to be in the high schools. Like... Mm-hmm doing the absolute best we can as high school coaches to like bring them to our team. We have to be putting in that effort to develop our rookie rugby programs and uh, put in the time that way. So I feel like the two teams in one city, although challenging, I think it's going to make for better rugby overall. So we also have like the juggernaut, which is like Fredericton, which is Mm -hmm. our capital city, which is like a big team to beat. They're uh, they just have a really big club. They have their own clubhouse, two fields, you know, Mm. all the all the trappings of something quite beautiful. They also have two universities in that city that have teams so that they have quite a lot. And if you look at them versus us, like I would see why someone would say, like, why don't you just join together and like Mm. you guys? Mm. But I guess I just don't care about
3: that. Mm. I
2: just see it in a totally different light. That's not my goal. Um, we have a brand new team coming into the league, and like, who did they reach out to? They they would reach out to like the people in Saint John because we're smaller mm. clubs who are tr- who are starting to grow. We're like, you know, success stories in a way. Mm. And I know of another team that's now interested in it. I can't I can't say anything, but another team. Hush, was- hush entering into the league hopefully mm. right oh, so i think great. we are going to see like not defectors by any means but i i think we are going to see teams growing out of places where we didn't expect them geographically to come from because mm. the sport is growing and it needs to serve people better
1: yeah that's amazing and yeah i do, that last bit uh, that's what we're doing as coaches is we're serving our players and and as administrators in a club you're, you're serving the, the the club members and and i think you know, I I love winning championships. I love winning cups and things like that. But it's not the only thing about rugby. Like rugby is so much more than that. I I look at, you know, I met my wife through my rugby club. We got married on the rugby field. Um, All my kids play rugby. Um, Like I would say 90% of my friends are connected to rugby um, somehow. So yeah, it's not just, are you the dominant team or not? It's, are you that? Are you providing that for your members and your, 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 your players, uh, to give them that, that, that social aspect to it as well.
2: Yeah. It's more important to be competitive than winning. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we did get our asses handed to us this season. I'm not going to lie for mm-hmm. a game against, uh, Fredericton. However, yeah. like it's, it's just not my focus. Like we're competitive with yeah. everyone else. The, the athletes we put on the field are getting better. We even mm-hmm. had like new to the sport, yeah. Oh, that's like, awesome. is a bit of a weird year mm-hmm. uh we have a lot of like brand new players like yeah. in the senior side too not even yeah. in like, high school's end so yeah it's just it's constant i have no idea what's coming next it's constantly mm-hmm. changing
1: cool that's exciting and what about the the general landscape of of rugby in New Brunswick for girls, what what what's that look like? You is it still entry point is grade nine, or now with rookie rugby, that's obviously starting to to happen earlier. What what's that look like for someone who's who's not familiar?
2: Yeah, so our middle school aged girls um, are no, they don't have rugby in school. Right. And I think that was, I feel I could, could be totally wrong, but I actually think that was a decision made about insurance and that, 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 that was kind of a decision right. school. So we do have rookie rugby programs in like the big cities, like St. John, Fredericton, Moncton. We, and, uh, there are other like smaller ones in Northern New Brunswick. I, I feel like I'm not doing them justice by not knowing which programs, but, um, so there is definitely, it's definitely a more available is it being used to its full capacity? I would say no. Like it's still, uh, I believe Fredericton there, they had about a hundred rookie rugby kids. That's boys mm. and girls. Mm. Uh, St. John Trojans probably had similar to us, like 40 mm. uh, in each program. And I'm not entirely sure about Moncton. So if you look at like kids sports as a whole, that's pretty low numbers. Like if you yeah. especially compared something like soccer, Mm. or uh, and soccer would be similar in price. I know that's always on the mind of parents. Mm. So in terms of girls rugby, I, I would say that grade nine is still the entry point.
3: Yeah. And
2: typically from a hot, like from my perspective, or at least my high school, and I'm at a pretty big high school, it's pretty hard to get grade nines out. Mm. That's a big year for them, like to transition and then to also start a brand new sport. There's a lot of bravado necessary Mm. To do that. Mm. so yeah we're looking at like grade 10 11 12 as an entry point for sure yeah
1: yeah right and you know back to facebook you posted something earlier today as well just uh just about the having girls tackling for the first time and what their experiences are around that and how challenging i suppose that can be for coaching but also how exciting that can be to to give them that help them uh, achieve that first experience what 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 would be your advice to coaches who are coaching a girls team for the first time with a lot of the the girls in that team haven't actually done any body contact sport mm-hmm. or tackling of, of any kind what what would be your feedback there
2: yeah so uh I, I mean I think it's just such a beautiful thing honestly that post yeah. in the comments from the girls I'm yeah. like getting teary like just remembering it
1: so, how did you get those comments? Could you just uh, explain that first of all?
2: Well, I'm crazy about social media and teams. Like, I, mm-hmm. I will post something after a practice, and I like mm-hmm. expect conversation. You know, like mm-hmm. one of those professors who just like yeah. I get a point if you get yeah. So that's what I expect. I want I want talk. So I did. Uh, so our contact this year was outside of schools because of right, COVID. So mm-hmm. um, so we only had three like Jamboree tackle days. So the practices leading up to that were sort of optional outside of my school team, which was only Mm -hmm. touch rugby. So uh, in order just to like prime the new girls who thought mostly they were signing up for touch rugby, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: just prime them for their first tackle practice. I just said like, share what it was like, like kind of open-ended. And it was interesting because if I were to give something more specific, like, tell them that you're how the coach coaches or tell them like what the technique is like or how they should prepare. I think it would have changed their answers. Just Mm. being like super broad, being like, what was your experience like? They Mm. all went to a really like emotional place. Like Mm -hmm. immediately thought, like said about empowerment or like feeling strong or feeling Mm. capable or how excited it made them feel. Like
3: Mm.
2: I think and I've listened to a lot of your podcasts lately, you know, I'm a keener. I did my homework. And there's a lot of that, like,
3: <laughs> Plus <empathy>. one. Yeah,
2: <laughs> there's a point, right? Yeah. There's a lot of that like empathy piece that's starting mm. to like seep its way into coaching and especially with rugby. And I think with girls, it's just not that it's even more important. It's just more clear.
3: Like mm. it's more
2: out in the open that they yeah. do really need that sense of accomplishment and success and, Yes, you can do this, and believing in both themselves and you need to act like you believe in them, even mm. if you're a bit scared to have them on the, on the mm. field for their first game. They need that in order to mm. be successful. So I just, yeah, that post today with with screenshots of their comments, it just kind of reminded me again of like how profound like a tackle practice is, especially mm. the first one. Yeah a lot of those girls have never used their body that way ever yeah.
3: and have yeah.
2: often been discouraged to use their body in yeah. a way to like move exactly. someone else or to accomplish mm. a goal or, or whatever. So yeah, I, I just, I'm so ex- It's hard. We coach tackling in a gym.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's not fun.
2: No. So yeah, uh, yeah we really have to have buy-in.
1: Yeah, no, that's great, and I've I've shared that on on the podcast uh, Facebook page as well. So listeners, if they want to want to go and have a look at it, but I, I found it really interesting. Exactly from the points you're saying, there is that a lot of it was not there was no technical talk in in that piece. It was all uh, psychological and mm-hmm. self worth and self concept and self efficacy and those kind of things were were really coming out in that. So I think that for, for from a coaching standpoint. You know, obviously creating a safe environment for it physically that we're building them up to those contact pieces slowly uh, and over several sessions is really important. But then, yeah, it's that support uh, and, like you said, the empathy is, is so key.
2: Mm-hmm. I've always thought there was such room for some sort of Canadian coach to do like a how to coach tackling in a gym. Mm-hmm. Like is there's <laughs> anyone out yeah. there who really <laughs> wants to take that on, and create a whole program for tackling in a gym,
1: yeah. that would yeah. be wonderful. Yeah, but, uh, that was one of the first things I know. I've been here 14 years now, and that was one of the first things I was like, oh, this is weird. Practicing in a, a full-size basketball gym, if you're lucky to get a full-size basketball gym, uh, in February is uh, very weird, uh, but also challenging as a coach because you, you have to be creative and manage the space and manage the numbers and all those kind of things. have access
2: to equipment right yeah yeah too like what's your school what's your school willing to offer do they have a wrestling Mm. program because wrestling Mm. mats are great and so yeah Yeah.
1: absolutely cool well that's that's really cool and I think um you know raising good points there and I, I I you know selfishly I'm kind of arming myself uh for coaching my uh my daughter I already coach her now but um when she gets to high school she's in grade five right now I really want to be um coaching her school rugby team and it'll probably be me who starts up that team uh, Mm -hmm. because there wouldn't be an existing one in in grade seven and I think that's we we really need to be aware of that in in countries where there is not a lot of girls playing sport uh, or rugby in particular is I think we we rush into having them join contact and I think we 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 feel that you know, this is what rugby looks like and this is by this age they should be doing this. And if they're not, well, you know, bad luck. And I worry big time that we'll, we'll lose girls from the sport if we jump into these things too early. So my, my daughter's 11. Uh, she should have been doing contact this year. Um, she was very excited to tackle but mm-hmm. she also didn't want to be tackled herself She's also in co-ed, which we talked about before the pod. That it's she's playing against boys, and some of these boys are, you know, they're already pre-pubescent. They've they've, they've shot up. They're, yeah. you know, they're they're twice her body weight um, yeah. in some cases, and I I feel there needs to be a lot of exploration in that age grade because if she gets into a situation two or three times, she'll she'll pull away from the sport, and we can't we we can't lose people.
2: I I think middle school it. Well, like in an education world too, is the most, like nobody understands kids Mm. at that age, like Mm. grade six, seven, eight, even nine. Nobody even understands. They're just hard to manage Mm. and they're going through really weird social times and understanding themselves and their own self-worth and all those things. And then I don't think it's the greatest age to have co-ed sports.
3: Mm.
2: I just don't. I Mm. I think if you're going to learn how to tackle, Based on what I've seen at the high school level where they're a bit more confident, they're, they're more apt to do it in a really like safe social context, Mm -hmm. like no mean girl stuff and no, like, no, no, like I don't want to hit him or I'll look too strong. Like Mm -hmm. in terms of the social hierarchy of middle school, I don't know. There's just a lot there. And I totally agree with you. We, it's okay for us to change if it's for the better of mm-hmm. our players like we don't have to continue doing the same thing just because rugby is a tackle sport yeah. or just because like i know uh becky our head coach her and i had a really great conversation for about canceling a uh practice because of the rain and i was like well we can't Cancel practice because it's raining like it's rugby and she's like I'm sick of it I'm for all the things we've changed that's another one we're gonna change okay We're canceling it, freezing cold out uh, <laughs> just something simple like that but mm. we can we can change why not do it differently
3: if yeah, it
1: yeah. if
2: it's if it's better for the service of our athletes why not
1: and especially in a country like Canada where you know we lose one doesn't mean we're gonna replace that girl with another two or one, even right. uh, we lose one, we have zero that we've added yeah. to the mix.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And we compete a lot with sports that have been around for a long time. And that includes hockey. And that includes, um, we, we can, in high school, we compete with volleyball because they're like happening
3: simultaneously.
2: Yeah. So it's always like the fight for the best athletes, unfortunately.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: and in the summer we lose them to soccer. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a bit of a competition. So we do yeah. have to make really smart choices
1: for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, cool. Um, you, you mentioned earlier you are the, the president of the St. John Irish. Um, what have you learnt from that role, especially in terms of managing up and managing down? I think that's a really undervalued skill for coaches. Uh, I know that... Uh, historically, I haven't been great at it at, at, at certain times and then other times I've been really good at it and I think it's it's just one of those areas that you can learn the wrong way um, and then correct course correct but what what have you what have you learned from your time as being in admin and that that kind of area
2: well I'm so lucky not to have been taught anything badly because I wasn't taught at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of just, oh, you're keen. Mm. Off you go. Tomato. You showed
1: weakness. You showed that yes. you're you're enthusiastic.
2: <laughs> Nobody, you know, it was either fixtures or president. I just had mm-hmm. to choose. Um, yeah, it's been a learning on the job opportunity. Mm-hmm. Before becoming the president, I had actually been pretty involved with the NBRU, just going to like general meetings uh, and di- like I'm on the disciplinary committee as well for the province. So I, I've kind of been around other people that have held this role,
3: mm. but
2: not in my own club, obviously. So, uh, and there were female presidents before me. I wasn't the only first female president. Mm-hmm. We had others, even when we had the men's team, we had other female presidents. Um, yeah. But I, the last president that we had actually told me, she's like, Katie, you want to take this club where I, I just don't, care like I just don't want to do that amount of development and I was like all right mm-hmm. I do see you later yeah. Yeah. like I want to do I want to offer development for athletes let's become referees like how can we better help our community like are we out doing outreach enough and da da, da 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 and like potentially bought like just spread myself too thin in the beginning and now like just becoming more of an adult like in my 30s I'm starting to understand no 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 like you have to have a focus you have mm. your energy somewhere and, and make sure that you're getting, you know, good payout from that energy. So it's been, I think I'm in cause no one else has taken it from me, even though I have offered it at every turn. I think I'm in my fifth year right. as president. Yeah. So I know how to pay an employee now. Jeez. Like I know how to do all of the banking stuff from that, you know, a, a downside to women's only teams is nobody has a truck to bring the uh, (laughs) mower to the fields for someone to mow. Not a lot of accountants in the mix. Like, Mm. yeah, we are without certain things that usually men's clubs come by quite easily. Uh, If ever we were to open a school, we have enough teachers to float the entire staff.
1: And school nurses would be abundant as well.
2: Right. Like, we have all all the university students (laughs) you never need. But, uh, yeah, no one... (laughs) Uh, any skills to fill things like the treasurer mm. or fixtures, mm. so that I would say in terms of being an only woman or a president of an uh, all-women's club, those are little things that you probably wouldn't think of. That are yeah,
1: difficult. yeah, sure. And what what have you learned in terms of um, you know liaising with your your provincial body and and you know the neighboring club uh, mm-hmm. as well? What's what's some of your your learnings from those experiences.
2: Yeah, so I think I've been around the rugby field a long time and it's a benefit to me especially mm, yeah. in the province. Um because I know all the presidents of the clubs. Like we're mm. all of the same age and we're all doing the same stuff. So I have a really uh a really great relationship, I would say, with uh, all the presidents in the in the province. So it's easy to talk to and they all know me mm. like in per, like we know each other in person we know each other's yeah. spouses and like mm-hmm. I would know their children like yeah so it's kind of a family in that way, which mm-hmm. is a benefit. Um, but like I think sometimes big clubs do forget that we're a small club and mm-hmm. we butt heads like for example, we have to rent fields like from the city. so yeah. we are at the mercy of the city of St. John for a lot of mm-hmm. things. Where clubs that have their own fields, they just sometimes we don't always meet eye to eye. And yeah. that can be difficult. Like, it can be difficult to remind them, like, no, it's just me, basically. And mm-hmm. 25 girls who want to play rugby, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, remember that in terms of making decisions. Mm-hmm. So there's still challenges for sure. And there's still that, I, I hate to say old boys club. Mm-hmm. Because I actually think it's an old girls club, too. Like, yeah. I'm coming from both. I actually think there's a lot of like women who need to change their perception of the game. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But I think we're a team because we're so small, we can change really quickly. So Mm -hmm. we're open to changing things. Like let's ask our players what game day works best for them.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Does it have to be Saturday? Like why can't it be a different night? Or let's ask them uh, like when training is best or, like what kind of tournaments they want to go to. Do they want to travel? Would they prefer to do more traveling tournaments versus like a club season?
3: Like, mm.
2: I think we're, just because we are sort of like free in that way, that we're just open to changing the game.
1: Sounds like a a, a, a real uh, hippie outlook in the club. And uh, yeah. I'm in, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> now you raise a good point there too about um, game day, especially when you, you are challenging for fields. I know that some of the, the clubs in the Prairies, uh, they play on Wednesday nights um, mm-hmm. and, you know, even even have, you know, their, their thirds play Wednesday and their firsts and seconds play Saturdays or, or yep. whatever. And, yeah, I think we can squeeze a lot more out of uh, the summer that way to, to get more games.
2: Yeah, as Eastern Canadians, we have about how many weeks of summer?
1: Yeah, yeah 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 not a lot
2: <laughs> so it is hard to uh convince all the high school and university girls to every mm-hmm. saturday donate their body
1: yeah. to the game so yeah. yeah yeah cool all right well um on to your role with the provincial u19 team what's what what is that role uh in a coaching standpoint and and how where do the players come from how how are they selected for that team
2: Um, Yeah, so our U19 Spruce uh, Provincial Girls team this year, um, I mean, what a weird year, right? So Mm -hmm. our age changed, our age bracket changed to incorporate an older year. So it's typically U18, Mm -hmm. but we're U19 this year, which brings in that first year girls from first year university, Right. which I think that was a brilliant change for a number of reasons. First of all, a lot of our first year university girls don't play on their university team, they might make the team yeah. ride the bench. So yeah. why not? Like, if we're talking about losing girls, that's a perfect opportunity to lose a bunch of girls. A yeah. girl who sat on a bench all, all term may not join again, but if they have mm-hmm. like their provincial rugby to look on anyway. So yeah. I'm really happy with the, the age change, at least for this year, but uh, we actually started our alignment camps in April we were really lucky. New Brunswick is lucky to be able to uh, do sport um, a bit sooner than Nova Scotia, if I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure of other places because they're not my competitors. So I was only mm-hmm. kind of wa- had my eye on a few other places.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, so we started our alignment camps in April, and those were just basic skill camps because we yeah. would have been without rugby. basically for two seasons because the high school was just touch. So, uh, that was basic skills. We did four sessions of that. And we've kind of been practicing ever since. Um, our girls are mostly Southern New Brunswick girls because that's Mm -hmm. where those three big clubs are. That's where all those high school coaches are. Mm -hmm. So a focus for, um, the head coach and I, uh, head coach Yaku Olivier, um, is really getting into like Northern New Brunswick because we know there are athletes up there. We just need to bring them into the fold mm-hmm. and really grow the program. So uh, that's our focus going into next year and like years after that is uh, expanding our reach. Because if you look at Olivia de Merchant, she did not come from Southern New Brunswick. She yeah. was uh, of Northern New Brunswick you know ish and uh ha, what if, what if no one reached out to her or what what if the guys team didn't let her practice all of those things we really need to start offering opportunities for those girls who don't have clubs in their area mm, so
1: that's kind yeah. of the focus cool and what, what what's the competition format look like uh this mm-hmm. summer
2: so we have atlantics this summer it's in st john so exciting uh nice. and i know not don't have to have it all. august 5th 7th so the okay. fourth, like full weekend of an august and uh so that's nova scotia pei and newfoundland and us in the u19 category we're playing two teams from nova scotia to uh u19 and one from pei okay so our specific category yeah
1: all right cool and what's uh post that so you play the tournament then then what will happen that you're you're hoping that you know those those girls then feed into the New Brunswick senior side. Some potentially will go on to some uh, oh national God. camps.
2: You would think that everything aligns like in a sensible way. So the, our senior women. I've been actually,
1: around long enough to yeah, know, know it doesn't. It
2: doesn't. <laughs> our senior women actually played this weekend.
1: Right.
2: So okay. we have U19 players playing in the senior championship. Yeah. 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 This weekend and then in August. And then our senior women's side is also finished in August. Mm. So it's co- almost like the end of the season.
3: Mm.
2: That's it. After, after, after Atlantics, those girls finally get a break. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So do you think, um, that will change next summer or is this, this is just a, a format for, because of the challenges that COVID threw up or is this kind of looking to progress? Uh, and, and if so, what's, What's the goals for, for next season?
2: Typically, it's Atlantics in, early, like in July.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: then we go away to like Ontario. Yeah. So that's kind of how the progression would look. Even that isn't really great organization, but you have to work with all the provinces. Mm-hmm. So it'll likely go back to that. But getting those girls in July, like having these girls right now, there's stuff that we're working on together as a team, da, 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 and we're competing in August. Like I can't believe... I. I just can't imagine, and I'm obviously new to the process. This is my first year with the team. I can't imagine us having to compete the first of July or even mid-July. Like, there's just so, so much growth that can happen from them because most of them play senior women's as well. So they're getting game, 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 game Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all summer long. And it's just like the rugby's better, so why not have it a little bit later? But we try to work with everybody.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, in the intro, I mentioned you, you've crossed over to the dark side, and you are doing some refereeing—something uh, that uh, I've never uh, done and uh, will continue not to do. Um, <laughs> what What have your experiences been from refereeing, and, and especially in terms of coaching? What What do you think you can learn as a referee and apply into your coaching?
2: So I'm a scrum half, so I was already a referee, basically. Yeah, of course. Right? Of yeah, course. Yeah. So you know, prerequisites. I didn't, basically didn't learn anything. Uh <laughs> yeah, what it's so different. <laughs> it's so so drastically different being a referee. Mm-hmm. Even to like a referee to a coach, like it's it is its own like position yeah. on the field for sure. Uh I'm so new at it, like so new. Like just still doing uh, exhibition-type games. Uh, I did a bunch of ho- like middle school games when we had them a few years ago. I just refereed on the weekend. I did some sevens games. At most of the time, I'm just reminding myself, Katie, you're not here to watch. Like, <laughs> Like and, like run toward the plot, yeah. like and get in the right and get out of the way. So yeah, yeah. I'm still at that part of it, but mm. uh, I did the official, like the match official through uh, our program, like through the St. John Irish program where we offer free um, like PD. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just like teaching. You don't mm. know until you're in the classroom. Like once yeah. you're on that field and you're in charge, Wow. Are things different? Like mm. so drastically different. Basically I just played advantage the entire game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's, it's a rolling game when I'm the referee. That's mm.
1: for sure. mm. Yeah.
2: I'm just like praying to God. I never have to give a red card. Like I would yeah. not know what to do likely, but uh, I mean, I'm set. It's something I want to retire into. Mm. Like, I, I want to be part of like the physical aspect of the sport yeah so I it's mostly just my fitness plan that's it
1: yeah (laughs) cool and what um what about sideline do you hear coaches on the sideline do you hear players on the field uh what's some feedback for coaches and and captains uh in that area
3: uh
2: yeah you know I don't get it as my, like, I don't hear it as myself because the games that I've done, like nobody actually cares about the outcomes mm. typically. They're just for fun or jamming. Yeah. Or
3: something yeah, started, yeah. Right.
2: But now as, as someone who wants to be in that position and I do hear the chirping mm. from the sidelines and like the undertone of like what coaches say, yeah, mm. it's so disheartening. Oh my mm. goodness. The turnover for like female referees in New Brunswick is drastic like we've had them and gone had them and gone Mm -hmm. had them gone so i i feel like there is a wind of change for sure to be Mm -hmm. more respectful and as an audience member like you don't have to call out that the referee was too slow to get to a ruck so didn't see Mm -hmm. something or or you know whatever terrible Mm -hmm. terrible things (laughs) uh it doesn't totally scare me though i like Mm. It's the same people that've been chirping everyone their entire career in rugby, Mm. right? Mm. Luckily, I've been long like at the pitch long enough to be able to be like, "Hey, Troy, be quiet."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Troy.
2: (laughs) I know that you'll take that we not with a grain of salt. That's all right. (laughs)
1: Uh, All right, no, it's fine. All right. Well, um, we always end the show with the same final four questions. Uh, when you were a kid growing up or even when you first got into rugby, um, who, was, who was a player that really stood out to you? Uh, and if it's not a rugby player, who's an, who's an athlete that really stood out to you when you were a kid?
2: So my answers to all these questions are so unorthodox. I That's good. That's solid.
1: how we roll. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah.
2: Okay, good. So obviously I didn't watch rugby and I can barely watch rugby now because yeah. it's hard to get. That's <laughs> crazy, eh? <laughs> but yeah. But my yeah. favorite... Another athlete, podcast. Yeah, exactly. My favorite athletes were Haley Wickenheiser and Lori oh, King. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. The Canadian girls. Yeah. And I, I thought about it when you asked me that question. I actually sat with these questions for quite a while. And... I thought it's because I can see myself like mm-hmm. I played hockey, not well, but I played hockey and I did, I played lots and lots of golf. So when I saw these girls and like Lori came from PEI, like you're my neighbor, basically Lori Cain. Mm-hmm. Like
3: yeah.
2: I was just like, Oh, that's me. I could be that person. And mm-hmm. it was, uh, when I thought about it the other day, I was like, that's why it's so important for us to show like the trajectory of how you can be an athlete.
1: Yeah. So it's a it's, uh, yeah, hundred percent. We've got a book on Wickenheiser. Um, it's a popular bedtime read for both my daughters, uh, and just about the Canadian Olympics and her being captain and and yeah. uh, winning gold. And that. so, yeah, that's
2: yeah. And it. she didn't retire until she was much older, which is like is
1: she a doctor now too, which is just crazy as well. Like one of those overachievers that are just like, please stop,
3: girl.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> All right. What about now? Who are some of the the players you like watching?
2: Uh, okay, so this answer I also answered like a typical answer, and I want to explain it. Oh, so I did say Bowden Barrett, but that is for is for a different reason. Okay, I think the Barrett family is one of the most interesting families on the face of the earth, and I talk about it all the time. I cannot imagine having all of those kids at professional, high, high level athletics. Mm, yeah. Basically, as a teacher, I'm just so intrigued by like their upbringing and mm-hmm. I have that is why they are my favorite because mm-hmm. and because they also said their mother would drop them off the top of the hill and they'd have to run barefoot home and <laughs> like, who doesn't dream of having a whole rugby crew you know what I mean
1: yeah, yeah. Are,
2: I mean I know you want to Andy you know yeah, totally. like, you want those girls <laughs> to go all the way through right like that's yeah, just so cool yeah,
1: anyway, so
2: yeah. yeah they're they're kind of I do follow them because I just find them fascinating yeah
1: yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, it is. It is very interesting, um, and it's got a real New Zealand flavor to it as well. You know, growing up on a farm and and yeah. uh, the dream of being an All Black and those kind of I things. Know. Um, and who
2: does? I mean, I'm from New Brunswick. You know what I mean? Like that. That's the dream. Like you grew yeah. up on a farm and you became a professional athlete. Like you yeah. can't be cooler than that, honestly. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. And uh, third question: What about coaches? Who are some of the coaches uh, who, are, who are probably you know high profile, high profile uh, that you like what they're doing?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. Uh. I don't follow a lot, to be mm. honest. Uh, I did fall in love with uh, Collette McCauley. Yeah. At the uh, what was I wrote it down the East Coast, uh, East Coach, Coast Conference coaching. Right. Conference?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: 2019. I so she I just saw her coach for like a moment in time, but loved her approach. Loved like her energy and her. We we're very, I would say we're very similar in that way. Just more of a nope. This is what we're doing. Nope. We're doing that just a. It wasn't totally um the most girly approach mm. she was just very much like this is how it is she was like a boss babe and i was all for that i mm. really love the energy so she was probably yeah she's probably someone that i've been following since a uh, big fan um but i just like coaches who ask great questions like i love coaches who when i watch them with their players they really can pull information from their players really well. I find that, like, Mm. a fascinating skill that I really want to get great at. I mean, Jack Hanratty's excellent at that. He's someone that I did my level two with that he even asked me questions, and I was like, oh, my God, why didn't I think of that? Like,
3: Mm.
2: yeah. So he made a lot of, like, connections as a coach for me, like, between teaching and coaching. I feel like one he said to me during the level two, like, Katie's just, like, teaching. And it was that moment that I was like, it's just Mm. Of course yeah. it's teaching yeah, yeah. and and that kind of, that has drastically changed my approach to coaching for
1: sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, that's a good point. And, um, you know, knowing Jack, uh, he's really good at asking questions cause he's really good at talking. Uh, so that's a, that's definitely a strong point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, wrap it up now with the final question. Who's someone in the grassroots in your area that you feel deserves recognition and a shout out.
2: Mm. Uh, well, my, our head coach, of course, Becky Knox. I mean, right. if you're talking about compassion and empathy and coaching, she she nails it. I actually, uh, we coached together for the high school, for our, my high school team, thank God, because she has the empathy part down. Mm. And as much as I would love to say that I'm that person, I'm just not. I, like, she's the mom <laughs> and I'm the dad, and, yeah, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, for
2: lack of a better explanation, yeah. but she's phenomenal. Like she understands the sport and she understands people really well. And she can navigate that whole, like, again, going back to that fear of being in a contact sport or trying mm-hmm. something new or something totally outside of your comfort zone. She's perfect for that. She All has right. that cornered. Uh, she's someone that I think people are going to lean on more and more for advice and how to approach certain, uh, how to approach women in sport in general.
1: Cool. Awesome. And uh, like any coaching relationship, you need a good cop and a bad cop. So uh, good work there. All right, Katie, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, It's been, you know, watching from afar uh, the progression, uh, meeting you in St. John and 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 seeing what's happening with your, with your rugby club. It's a really unique situation. I think there's some great examples for other people who are involved in women's rugby, whether it be coaching or administrating, and I think it's exciting times and I can't wait to see where it goes and want to thank you for coming on the show.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Pleasure. Cheers.
0: for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us via Twitter at Rugby Coaches CNR or via the website, therugbycoachescorner.com. Till next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.